Hey everyone, Nick here at the start of the show. Listen, I just want to say thanks folks for all the support you've given us thus far. We passed a thousand listens. That means a ton to us that you guys are enjoying the content and enjoying the show. And I just want to say thank you for that. And secondly, this is no surprise at all, but uh, Dune actually has been greenlit as of this morning by both Legendary and Warner Brothers. So Dune Part 2 will be coming out sometime in October of 2023. We don't have much more information than that, but we are super stoked that enough people went out and supported this movie and uh, we can't wait to see more. So without further ado here's us gushing about dune an animal caught in a trap will gnaw off its own leg to escape what will you do all right so here we are i know you here we are boy are we happy <laughs> we've been kind of teasing this episode for a long time we didn't post one on friday because this is our special episode mm-hmm. our first real review yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the first time that we were reviewing something that we just saw fairly recently, something that is definitely considered a new release. Um, I don't think, yeah, we. I don't think we've done anything like this before, which is super exciting because, folks, we don't deserve Dune. We, we don't do deserve not. it at all. <laughs> Let's talk um, about it. Let's talk yes. about Dune. Let's have a nice section of spoiler-free stuff, and then we'll get into a nice section of spoiler stuff. Yeah. Um, but I will say, like, just right out the gate, I don't ever give five out of fives. This was a five out of five. Absolutely for me. I I thought this was perfect in so many ways. Uh, and that's, I, on Facebook, my review just simply stated, uh, we don't deserve Dune. And, and I don't I think, think we do. Yeah, I think that's a fair <laughs> assessment. Yeah, is that, is that how you feel, too? Have you read Dune? Yes, I have. I read it two years ago. Okay. Uh, which, by the way, real quick plug, the audiobook is fantastic. It's more of a... Um, if you're into podcasts that are audio dramas, like they have a full cast of people, they have oh, music, amazing. they do sound effects. So I highly, highly recommend the Dune audiobook for anybody. So yes, I have read it. So I, I read it in high school. I was a bit of a Dune obsessive in high school. I, I read the first four mm. novels and then I took a break because there's a nice time break after the fourth one. Yeah. Time, yeah. character, a lot, a lot of weird things happen after the fourth one. I never did read five and six. But, but I love Dune, and I reread Dune again recently in the last year or so. Um, so I just, I had a weird experience when I saw it, and I, I just want to share it, because... Please do. Now, to explain this, I want to talk about Halo for a minute. Oh. All right. Okay. So... Go on. <laughs> so about five, <laughs> six years ago... The Master Chief Collection came out, which has a remaster, uh, reskin of uh, Halo 2. I know you weren't a big mm. Halo guy, but... I big had this Halo ex- 1 guy, yes. I-, I had this experience playing Halo 2, where basically they took all the graphics from the original 2003 or 4 game and upgraded them for the new hardware, so they looked good. Right? They just they reskinned everything, and it made it from a, an old Xbox One game to a modern... Excuse me. Old original Xbox game to a modern Xbox. I thought to say to an Xbox. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Curse so, Microsoft so the, and their not naming. the newest Xbox, but the one previous. Yes. Right. They made okay, it look then. like a modern game. But here's the thing. Love it. So I'm playing through Halo Two, and it's got a feature where you can jump between the original graphics and the old graphics. But I'm playing through in the new graphics, and I can't tell a difference. I, I, huh. I can't tell a difference. I don't notice any major changes. Like, I can... But then you click the button, and it goes back to the original graphics, and good lord, they're ugly in comparison. It's a huge oh difference. It's a giant difference. But the thing is, is they captured the aesthetic of the original art design so exactly mm-hmm. that subconsciously I barely noticed a change. Even though gotcha. it was a dramatic, huge change. I experienced this for the second time watching Dune. And the the weirdest thing is, is that I felt like I had seen this movie before. And the reason it felt that way is I, and I've never had this experience before, of somebody reaching into my brain, taking out the (laughs) images and pictures and aesthetics that I had in my brain, sticking it Mm -hmm. onto the screen, and having an almost one-to-one match of that. Wow. It was bizarre. I kind of love that. Because there have been books that have, movies that have been very faithful to books, mm-hmm. but there's always aesthetic quirks and changes and difference. I mean, watching Lord of the Rings is a very different experience to reading Lord of the Rings. Yes, yes. 
Watching Dune is a pretty dang close to the experience of reading Dune. Yes, completely agree. Completely agree. I think that if I think about the cast and the writing, it was it was all top notch and it was dead on to a lot of the stuff that I remember from the books. Um, and I won't go too into it past that point, but yeah, I would agree. The still suits are pretty much exactly how Frank Herbert described them. Mm-hmm. Um, the characters, again, most for the most part, with some creative liberties, exactly how I would think of them. The, um, the inspirations from, I think it's a lot of um, uh, Islam, I think. You can yep. see a lot of that in this, especially, like I mean, I'll, for goodness sake, Hans Zimmer's score is... It's Dune. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to say it's it's peak Zimmer. <laughs> um, that's pretty much how I put it. It's like peak Hans Zimmer. This is It's probably one of his better soundtracks he's ever done. Uh, he will probably try to seek it out on vinyl, but... I missed it. It came out on Mondo a week ago, and I, or two weeks ago, and I didn't pick it up. Excuse oh, me. reprinting hopefuls. Uh, <sighs> yeah, I mean that 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 size is exactly how I would describe it. Just you just the awe but, of it all. Oh. The this is a this is a tough story to tell. I mean, there is yes. more in depth world building in this. I mean, it, it, it's got a deeper lore than Lord of the Rings has. I mean, it's it's more complicated story building in a lot of ways. Sure, it doesn't Is have... Is that a hot take? <laughs> well, I don't think so. I love Lord of the Rings. But, I mean, so Lord yeah. of the Rings, it's, it's, its layers is often based on cultural and, and linguistic. This is very much political and, and philosophic. And... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff going on that you've got to get an audience to understand in a short amount of time, and it it's masterful, man. the The exposition is seamless and fluid and detailed, and we don't deserve Dune. I mean, good lord, this movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, the chief complaint that I have read thus far is that the exposition didn't go far enough. As far as understanding, you know, what House Atreides' purpose truly is, or the Harkin... I always get this word wrong. Harkin Ross? Harkonnen? I say Harkonnen. They said Harkonnen. They did a a, a short O sound. The one negative review I said just it didn't go hard enough. I didn't know why these two were going at it. The spice is talked about, but they don't... You know, in the book, it's pretty clear, like, the, the what Spice is capable of doing. And I, I feel like maybe the movie didn't go deep enough on it, per but se. did it need to? But we, we know you need Spice to travel the universe. The Spice mm-hmm. is the most important resource as a result of that. He who controls the Spice controls the galaxy. I mean, we... <laughs> the, the thing is, is the only... It was a perfect representation of what I had in my brain. It just didn't mm-hmm. spend time going over every detail. I mean, correct. There's so tiny spoilers for the novel. Uh, in the novel, Thufir yeah. is suspicious of Jessica. They cut that plot line out, but everything that they cut out or leave out is plausibly happening. They're just the camera's not pointed at it. I feel like yeah, there's the, nothing that couldn't the, be happening in the novel in this movie. Yeah, a lot of the stuff that occurs with the Doctor in the first ten to fifteen chapters is incredibly minimized i would say mm-hmm. but a lot of it is his voiceover and his thoughts in his head and what he's thinking about and 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 what that does to impact things so that a lot of that was kept out which is totally fine because it it's a different for, medium for it doesn't it did. doesn't yep. work in a movie despite david lynch trying to make it work oh lordy have you seen oh, so lynch? i guess we should talk about the, we should talk about that real quick so you yeah. have seen the lynch version and you also recommend this other one you found on youtube yeah, so I watched the Lynch version as a kid and was just all around befuddled by it. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was <laughs> confusing. Not confusing and I don't know what's going on. I clearly did. It was confusing as in why is it going on. Um, right. At the same right. time, I loved the sci-fi miniseries. Now as an adult, the sci-fi miniseries looks just insufferable. And the Lynch version has a charm to it, man. I mean, it's. I don't know that sure. I'd say it's good, but it has a charm. I, I did find a fan at it that tried to get as close to Lynch's vision before studio meddling, and I found it a lot more watchable. That said, it's still a relic of a different time. It's still David Lynch being forced into a studio system, and it's still it's not Dune. 
Yeah, I, I get what you mean by that. I totally get what you mean by that. So we'll go into some light spoilers here as we talk about some of the characters. And I'll say, too, that um, if you're on the fence at all, just know that Denny Villeneuve is probably one of the best directors currently working. Eric Roth, who's one of the one of the credited screenwriters, freaking wrote Forrest Gump. Uh, John Spates is arguably the best science fiction writer screenwriter currently living. Um, so if that pre-production stuff doesn't get you right there, Oscar Isaac is amazing. Rebecca Ferguson is amazing in the Mission Impossible movies and in Doctor Sleep. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, I don't know anything about him. Zendaya is a great singer, my wife will tell me. All, Jason all Momoa, for cast. goodness sake. And one and Skarsgård, you know, that family is just a, a rock of <sighs> uh, talent as it is. Javier freaking Bardem is in this. And you're not sure if it's him because he like melts into the role and Josh Brolin yeah. is in this. And I can't get Thanos out of my head. Um, and, and finally, Bautista, people. She, he's not in there much, but but he's present. And uh, Here's the deal. This is, this is my review that I put on Facebook. This yes. is one of the best sci-fi films ever made. It yes. will be one of your favorites. It's going to be a classic. Might as well see it now and help part two get made than find out that your favorite movie 10 years from now doesn't have an ending. Yes. See it now. I like this. Yeah. Get it. Please. See it now. Help make it. (laughs) Yeah. And that's that's, that's the crux of the matter, folks, is that if we don't get enough people seeing this, they're not going to green light the second part of it because this movie is is dense and thick, not in a boring way, which I, I need to slap the reviewer that said it was boring. Um, mm. it's very immersive and there's so much there is so much good here there's way more good than bad here and if people don't see it they're not going to green light the second movie although I'm starting to wonder if they'll do a part three just because <laughs> money being as it is but oh my goodness just he wanted yeah, to, he I, wanted to finish Paul's story I know that was originally his goal as a trilogy but man I don't I don't even care yeah. I don't need Dune Messiah I love yeah, it sure but I do need I lo- Dune part two Yes, and I, I will say this too, if you're not convinced yet, I like this so much more than Star Wars right now. So much more than Star Wars. Not The Last Jedi, which I love with all my heart and soul, but for everything else that's kind of happened with Star Wars as of late, I like this so much more. So The pitch for see- Dune has always been Star Wars for adults. and Yeah, I like that. It lives up to that, finally. Yes. Uh, and now into some spoiler territory. I will say this, I guess, is one other thing, is this will for sure win the Oscar for Best Sound Design. Um, Absolutely. If, if for nothing else, which it, it will definitely win for a few other things, but the sound design on this movie is so freaking on point. It was... I, I can't think of the last movie where the sound design stood out so much to me. This is one of those... We've said before, see it on the biggest screen you can. Yes, I'm going to go so far as to say, see it with the biggest speakers you can. I've watched this movie three Ooh. times now. I saw it once on the biggest screen in Helena, and it okay. was incredible. And I saw it twice at home. I saw it once. I once I like watched it while I was working, and once I sat down and watched it on my TV. And in both cases, <laughs> you lost the auditory. It sounds great, but the mm-hmm. speakers in the theater, there was moments of effect and booming. So the, the moment where they, they instill the cone of silence when the Bene Gesserit... Um, Mohim is talking to, to yep. the Baron. In yep. the theater, they instill this cone of silence, and there's this booming hush that reverberated through the screen, the theater. Ooh. And you, you get the hint of that at home, but you need to experience it the way it was meant to be experienced at least once. It's incredible. Yes. Yes. So I will say the sound design was that. I have not been this affected by a symphonic soundtrack since Prisoners. Um, another great, well, of course, is a Denny movie. Um, that's the one with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. If you folks haven't seen it, it's, it's very hard to watch, but it is very excellent. Um, the big instrument that they use in that soundtrack is an Icelandic church organ, and oh, I, I guarantee I you have that. never heard you have never heard a pipe organ like that before. So I have not been as affected by a soundtrack probably since I saw Prisoners. Um, so again, I'll be probably picking that up at some point. Um, so those, there's those. I just want to point out to the sound and to the music. Just peak Hans Zimmer. I'm, I'm raising my hand, giving glory and praise here, because that was just oh my gosh. The man knocked this out of the park. Yeah, he did. He yeah, it wasn't. Did. People will probably look at this and say, oh, uh, like Tenant, which he did not do the soundtrack for, but you can definitely feel the inspiration. But 
I did not feel a moment where the soundtrack was overcompensating over everything else, the sound effects and the voice. I never had that moment I had in Tenet where it's like, okay, I can't hear a word of what people are saying. So there was none of that. Um, it was just, it was so perfectly balanced. Uh, it was great. Part of a complete breakfast. Yeah. Now, the, the only Hans Zimmer score that I think is better is Denny's last movie that Hans Zimmer did. I, I 2049 has, man, that music just slices me open. Oh, that is good. But yeah, if we're comparing two artists working together for a second time and arguing about which one's better, you're in a good spot. That's a good Oh, yeah. Thing. Oh, yes. It's it's one of those, uh, I'm just glad to be alive for this kind of a thing. Be thankful that you're alive in the time when Dune is a brand new thing. Like, I can only imagine what it was like when my, my dad got to see, you know, Empire Strikes Back in the theater and what that must have felt like. Yeah. Or Godfather absolutely. or Chinatown or any of those things. But I'm just glad to be. I'm just glad to be here. Right, <laughs> really, it's the feeling that I have. Um, so yeah, let's let's dive in. I, I will say right off the bat, you know, it goes into a little bit more of uh, the House of Trades thing before it gets into the needle moment, which is like one of the very first things that happens in the, the Gamja Bar. Um, thank you very much, the Gamja Bar. I will botch so many terms because. <laughs> Sp- speaking but, of which, Denny has a breakdown yeah. on YouTube explaining that scene that everybody has to watch. We're going to stick in the show notes. And he, he says that he filmed that scene, that the only person he was trying to please in this movie was 14-year-old him. And that what? scene is a perfect example of that because I, as a 14-year-old, pictured that scene exactly as it was on the screen. Yes, I agree completely. Even, like, the cutbacks to his mother in the hallway, just... Oh, oh. Becca Ferguson's... The fear, the terror of a mother mm-hmm. worried for her son. You feel it, man. Yeah, you absolutely feel it. I mean, even the, and like I said, we're in spoiler territory. Even when the Duke dies and he does the tooth crunching thing with the gas, like that's exactly mm-hmm. how I imagine that sequence yep. going. And it was that, um, I can never remember this actor's name, but he played the crazy guy. In the Dark Knight, who shot Gordon? He, right, he's in Ant Man. Um, he's a great actor, and I should learn his name. Yeah, I, I know him from like commercials and like comedy sketches. But man, like as a oh, he's the um, in Suicide Squad. He's the the polka dot the polka guy. dot man. Yeah, he plays yeah, the yeah, Baron's yeah. Mentas in this movie. Yes, that's right. Um, and, and does phenomenally. And then oh my gosh, Skarsgård. Oh, when he, like, okay. rises up, you're just, like, the dread. If, oh. <laughs> if there's a point where this movie did better than the books, it's the Baron. Harkonnen, uh, yes. he is terrifying. It is, and he's he's so much more like a worm than I than I even imagined him before. And, like, the way that when he, like, again, when he rises up and, like, that massive drape of clothing and the intimidation when he's, like, eating away at stuff and talking to the doctor and, um, ugh. He's terrifying. Excellent, excellent. And he, one of the scariest villains I've ever seen on film. Mm-hmm. There's a depravity he that it. he oozes. There's this 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 gluttony and depravity and hedonism and also this intelligence and this sin, this sinister. I. It's, it's Skarsgård's best role. Yeah, best absolutely. Best performance it, in my mind. If his if his son if his best role was being the clown from it, like this is his best thing. Just. Oh, excellent. Go see it. Um, and then you got Paul, who, t- you know, Timothy, who I know that he was in Call Me By Your Name, which I did not get to see. And I think he was in one other big thing. Oh, he's in the, I'm sorry, he's in the French Dispatch, the West Which I will go up. see. He was the D-bag yes, I- in Lady Bird. And that's the main thing I knew that's him from before That's what it this. was. I knew he looked familiar. And I gotta uh, be honest, prior to this role, I wasn't convinced that he wasn't just playing himself in Lady Bird. But he is... <laughs> He's perfectly cast as Paul. The thing is, is I don't know that you're supposed mm-hmm. to like Paul entirely. And he captures that. he's This is a teenage boy who has been given everything. And, and, and he's got... a bit of a freak. Yeah, and he captures that duality between somebody that you like and are rooting for and somebody that you're a little worried about. Having whatever whatever power he's going to have. Yeah, uh, I don't know about you, but when the Duke said that line about even if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you'll always be the one thing I know you're supposed to be, and that's my son. I was like, ah, just needed that needed that moment. <laughs> Man, Oscar, uh, which, Isaac, Oscar can, Isaac, amazing. Can, 
Oscar yes. Isaac can uh, can can touch the side of my face and tell me, you'll still be my son any day. <laughs> yes, isn't that what we all need? <laughs> oh, if I ever meet him, if I ever meet him, that that will be what I want him to do. <laughs> no po lines, no no uh, no um, uh, uh, no Lilo and Davis. Just just give me just touch my face and say my son. <laughs> Um, fantastic. And, and I really, you know, the one, this is another, you know, with all adaptations, there's always little bits and pieces that are taken away and stuff that is added. But the relationship between him and his concubine, played by Rebecca Ferguson, just that is exactly how it is in the book. I mm-hmm. wish I would have married you. I, you know, I, the, the things that he could have done to protect her better, that regret, you, you sense that and you feel that all throughout the sequences that they have, which are short lived, which as it should be per the book uh, with, you know, he doesn't last very long. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pretty much there to do what he does, but that sequence with, okay, can we talk about the, the, what is it? The Thropcopters? The Ornithopters. Ornithopters. I, every time, so the folks, these are like the helicopters of the series, but they are more akin to dragonflies, kind of what you would imagine in Avatar, the, the helicopters that go by. It's more like that, but the blades are all on the side. Anytime those things did anything, I'm like, well, shoot, what would that work? Would that actually work? I think that could work. Maybe that is better than a helicopter. Maybe we should give that a try. It's precisely how the book describes it. My biggest disappointment with both Lynch and the sci-fi series is how badly they messed up the ornithopters. Oh, really? It's silly how excited I was to see them done right in this movie. I... Oh. I I had uh, uh, silly nerdgasms every time an ornithopter did anything. Yeah, and he, like the the one sequences where even the blades are just starting up. I'm like, well, could this work? Could this work? Should this be a thing? Should we give this a shot? I think we should give this a shot. Maybe this could be a thing. So there's got to be some nerd out there inspired by this film who's gonna start posting TikToks of them trying to make like a, a model of one work. That's my hope. Because that, I mean, it could be <laughs> the newest form of transportation. <laughs> even if it doesn't work, I'm gonna say the only reason it doesn't work is because they have exotic new light metals in the Dune universe. Because it works in that yes. universe for me. The that to so me is where the sound design hit me the hardest. Is that slow rev up with the pump 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 sounds like a helicopter, but it's not. It sounds like a dragonfly, but it's not. Yep, and the and the, I was I was specifically thinking of the crawler sequence when they when they you know when the crawler stops and they have to rescue the twenty one people there and all the things that those things did during that sequence were just I want one, Daddy. Like I would love a, a, one of those when, to have. When they to hold. pitch down, my gut fell in my throat. When when uh, Leto drops it, like dives. Okay, yes. that scene. There's a line in that scene that to me was one of the most clever dual meanings I've ever seen in a movie, and I don't think anybody oh, else oh, in the theater sure, caught sure. it. Okay, so earlier it. on, we have the fight between Paul and Gurney where they're training. And Gurney walks in and mm-hmm. he says, I, I, I recognize your footsteps, old man. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, also, watch the David Lynch version and then watch his version. It's fun to watch those two scenes back to back because the dialogue's almost identical and man, it's a different sh- a different scene. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. Anyway, so I know your footsteps. I recognize your footsteps, old man. So uh, uh, Paul is kneeling kind of on a spice high, having time flow back and forth in his mind and the worm's coming to eat that crawler, right? Yeah. And Gurney is running up to save him and he says the line again, whispers it. I recognize your footsteps, old man. And did you catch the dual meaning there? No, I did not. The worm is known by the Fremen as the old man of the desert. So he's what? saying it both to Gurney, and as he's having a trance where he's seeing the future, he's saying it to the worm as well. Oh my gosh. That's that's all John Spates right there. Holy crap, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's good, I love good it. stuff. That's one of those, I'm sure as a, as a writer, I don't know if that's in the novel, I don't remember, but if it's a screenwriter that clicks with you, you just think, oh, I got something good here. I mean, uh, yeah. You're like, this is for me and maybe two other people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, well, how'd you feel about the sandworm since we're on the subject? Great. You know, the thing is, yeah. um... It's not the design that I... It's, it is and isn't the design I had in my head. I've been spoiled by hundreds of artworks of what the worm looks like just on the covers of novels sure. and things. 
Sure. And I, yeah. I did picture the one the worm being more trilobed. This worm is scarier. Having the baleen yeah. teeth is yes, scarier. Yes, that's what I was thinking too. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, the baleen teeth, yes. And it also makes more sense biologically. I mean, yeah. it's not like the worm <laughs> is going to be there. chewing on you with regular teeth. It makes more yeah. sense to swallow things in and push sand back out like a whale. Right. Um, I love it. I think it's brilliant. I think it's great. Yeah, and when it was swallowing up the crawler, you don't see the crawler getting like crushed immediately or anything like that. And and, and you shouldn't. You should. You, it should go down and have like a very slow digestive process. And this is way too nerdy. But yeah, I, I was thinking that as it was going, I'm just like, yes, they're doing the worm properly. I love it. And then even at the very end of the movie, when you see the one guy riding the worm, I was like, yes, yes, you know what you're doing. I mm-hmm. trust you. This is going to be great. Go see this movie, please. So please, let's. Yeah, um, it was good to see Arrakis more, I think, um, because it's more hinted at in the book, at least the very first one, Um, but to actually see the planet and know what they're leaving to come to... You mean Caladan. Sorry, uh, yeah, I I realized I got my words, yeah. To see Caladan, Mm -hmm. to see the water, to see the ocean, to see the views, all of that, it's so important to establish that, to know what the characters are leaving to them, what they're going to. I mean, even the, the one guy has the line about the palm trees and like how much water it is to take care of them, but then what they represent and what that means taking care of them. I thought that was a beautiful allegory for something else. I'll talk to you about after the show. Um, <sighs> and then of course it being on fire actually was a very terrible allegory. I don't know why I'm going this way, but anyway, um, I loved the, the shield suits that they wore. Um, and just watching those work. That was exactly how I imagined it would go. Um, the hunter seeker. Is that right? Yeah. Um, the one that tries to kill Paul. The one that tries to kill Paul, but then the one that when you watch it dig into the, the darts tube, it's they're like, shooting, oh, yep, yeah, even it's the like bombs so sucky. that they're dropping from space, and and this is where I don't even know if the book goes into it, but the filmmakers logicked everything out. Those bombs would hit the shield and then start spinning to drill through them slowly. Yes. And so if again you're listening to this part and you don't know the story and you're still enjoying the spoilers, the shields. Slow things can move through them, fast things can. The reason being is, do you know the reason in the novel why that is? Go, go ahead, go it, ahead. It, it's because they, the, uh, this is where Frank Herbert is brilliant because he made a feudal system on science that all makes sense. They can prevent everything from moving through their shields, but then oxygen wouldn't get in and you suffocate to death. Mm. So they turn it down just a little bit. So you can stab somebody as long as you stab them slowly. And that yes. completely changes the the flow of the combat. And now there, there is places where I feel like they choreograph regular combat and they just put red shimmers to show the slow blade. The exception of that is I feel like Jason Momoa really embraced this weird style of fighting. There are some yes. moments where he's... It looks like he's fighting in a different universe, and he is, and it's perfect. I, I was going to say that as, you know, it's just to follow up on my main review, but we also, no one deserves Duncan Idaho. I want to make that very clear. We don't deserve Duncan Idaho, uh, and I won't go into, well. We're spoiler territory. Uh, yeah, I mean, because he's, if you know the books, you know he's one of, he's the only character that appears in all six books. Which so is weird considering <laughs> he dies in this one. Correct. Yep, correct. Um, but it was good to see him without the beard. You know, I feel mm. like everything Jason's done so far, he's had the beer, so it was great to see him without that. Um, just the, rela- the, the the brotherly relationship that he has with Paul was done so incredibly well. Um, the sequence where he's, uh, you know, accepting his fate, and that's why he's shutting the door to make sure Paul doesn't go in there. We, we don't deserve Duncan Idaho, and we don't no. deserve this movie. Go see this movie. The truth of the matter is, ever since a kid, I see the word Idaho, I think of Duncan. Yes, the yes, The state in my mind is named after a Dune character. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, the the Duncan Idaho cast in uh, Lynch's version is this kind of doughy older guy. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he's supposed I... to be a ladies' man, and Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa does such a perfect job of being the fly boy without being a character. You believe he is that yes. person, and that he is a little bit less formal, but he knows what he's talking about, and he is severe when he needs to be. Yeah. Oh, did I don't know if the people around you held your breath when he's when um, when um, Stilgar spit on the desk. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And then he immediately jumps in. He's just like, oh, we graciously, you know, puts his hand across. We graciously accept this gift of your water, like that whole bit. Amazingly done. Excellently yeah. executed. Oh Javier Bardem, man. He's in the movie for five minutes, and he makes that character his own in every possible way. And he really, yes, yes. And so, you, okay, so you look at Javier Bardem. Everything he does, he has the accent in one way or another. And even though I could hear his voice, I didn't think it was him. I was like, this is some other actor. Somebody else is doing this character, and lo and behold, it ends up being him. Just my wife didn't uh, know who it was. She thought I was. She thought I was joking when I said that's Javier Bardem. <laughs> I had to look it up on IMDb because I was genuinely convinced it was somebody else. He's so great. He just—that's what he does. He melts into roles. He—he's very much a chameleon in the same way that Philip Seymour Hoffman was a chameleon. Uh, may he rest. And the but, thing is, um, Stilger is not a deep character in the novel. He's kind of stoic. And right. Javier Bardem takes that stoicism and makes it so believable. I, yes. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Uh, Go see the movie. Uh, and Josh Brolin as Gurney, as, as you know, we already said, was excellent. And, and the fighting and, and all of that was very well done. I will say this. Uh, Zendaya is somebody... Somebody gave a very positive review of this movie and said that she isn't in this much, so she's kind of like a guest appearance of a music video character. That's kind of who she is. She was on set for four days. She'll be way more important in the next movie, but anytime she shows up on screen, it is kind of breathtaking. Yeah. Well, she has the privilege of being in all of Paul's visions, which are all Corey... Cinematography is all stunning. And we have the privilege to witness Paul's... (laughs) dream sequences yes um, that was a terrible joke moving on uh oh let's see. oh yeah that was a terrible joke yeah it totally was it <laughs> totally was and, I, and i'm happy to admit it um what else did i want to gush about the way that the baron flipped on the defense shield right before um the duke gets to say his last bit was brilliant okay so you think like oh so, he's gonna survive this and then you're not sure there's another point of of nerdy fan I, I, I do think this was probably a obscure reference. In the, the third novel, or the... Yeah, the third novel, there is a discussion about the Baron always tapping his fingers in a particular way. Ah, okay. And by putting the shield on his finger, I think that was, I think that was meant to reference that. I love it. Yeah. Go see this film. Uh... I, I don't know what else to even talk about. Even just like the light villains that were there so briefly that uh, when Paul and his mom are kidnapped and they're in the copter and they're just going to be dropped off in the desert somewhere so that the, the Baron can somehow hold to this promise that he made that he wouldn't kill them. Just that, that moment of like using the voice and the way the villains reacted, that was excellently done. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The again, I, I mentioned the still suits, but the way that the tent was done was great, and how how deep they were within the sand when Paul comes out of it finally. Another um, thing that I've always wanted to see, I and I can't remember the name of the tool, the the static gun that they used to dig in the sand. He describes yeah, yeah. it so viscerally in the novel, the way it just shapes the sand around the gun, and and I've always wanted to see that done well, and they do it well. The uh, the thumper? No, not the thumper. It's the the scoop thing they used to get the tent in the ground and get out of the tent. He turns it on oh, as they're oh, leaving, oh. and the static sands around it. Yeah, exactly. How another I moment it in the book. Another moment where you're just like they they loved this movie so much that they just wanted to do it justice. I yeah. I felt that you know. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, it's exhausting being this positive. Um, Iraqi, gorgeous. Um, yep. The the battle, man, that 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 battle was awe inspiring. I mean, you feel the horror and the despair that these characters are going through as they realize they've been sent here to die. Uh, yes. It, yeah. No, it's a it, it's yeah. a it's, it's close to a perfect movie as I've seen in a long long time. Yep, couldn't agree more. I'm trying to think of something else to gush about, but I'm just I'm just so happy. Like it's it's a thrill to be here, be alive when when a movie this good is actively in theaters and I think it it made 40 million dollars in its first weekend. Now, I don't know how the whole streaming profit comes into play here thing. That'll be kind of interesting well, to see if let's that put it this comes way. into account. Yeah. Warner Bros released Godzilla vs. Kong 
and on HBO and in theaters, and it made thirty million, and they were super pleased with it and decided they were going to actually greenlight light a sequel for that one. This really? was made forty million in America alone. It's in the red right now globally. And okay, now this is something I find fascinating. Listening to the studio execs talk about talk about it, they seem to be saying that they're going to make this sequel regardless of kind of where the box office stands. And that's not something you hear a studio exec say very often, but they seem to be as Certainly enamored not. by the movie as we are. Yeah. I'm just going to quick look up Dune Part 2 and see what the absolute latest thing about the news would be. Because I'm sure it'll be the top of everything when you hear that it's officially greenlit. And, and for that matter, I mean, for goodness sake, the soonest we would get it is... He said he'd be ready to film next year, so it would probably be so 2024, maybe. I, if they I, greenlit it, I would I, expect it by 20, late twenty twenty three, early twenty twenty four. The thing is, wow. they can make it faster than than the first one because they've got all the design done, they've got all the digital assets created, all, a lot of the 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 costuming is done. It's just mostly sets and post vision. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see where the Freeman live, like how long that set could take to build. Um, That's interesting you point that out. I kind of assumed they would end getting to the siege, but it makes sense that they didn't want to build that beforehand. Correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know how, I don't, nah, I won't go there, just how cheap they can be. But it, it did make sense that they wouldn't have done that. But like, like you said, it's all but guaranteed at this point. We're just waiting to hear that lovely little green light. Um that's so, me being hopeful, and like I said, sure. this, does, this is not how studio execs normally sound. We should never trust a studio exec. Um, Certainly. But I'm optimistic. Certainly. Yeah, I'm optimistic as well. Um, i trying to think if there's anything else. Last time I felt this glowing about a movie was when I saw Denny's last <laughs> movie. Uh, which was? This was Blade Runner. It was okay, right, right. I keep thinking it's Prisoners. I don't know why I, I skip over well, Blade Runner because that one was so freaking good. We got out of Blade Runner. and I started to explain to my wife how much I love Dune. This is before he was that I at least I knew that he was scheduled to make Dune because I'm like, man, this guy's got the aesthetic that would match Dune. Like all the things oh, happening with, really? with Wallace. Like that's the Dune aesthetic. I would love to see this guy tackle this. <laughs> Lo and behold, gosh. Lo and behold, we get we get our wish. We get our wish. Go see this movie. I know that worldwide it's around 221 at the moment. Um, the budget itself, I believe, was around 165. That was 135. So, was it 165? Okay. So that's see. good. So so there's marketing costs to take in consideration. Yeah, they usually say marketing is double the budget. I don't know how true that ever is, but um, if it is true, we're well on our way, especially for world worldwide releases. So, um, but also, I will, I will say this: I did think of you. Yeah, go ahead. Well, HBO has to be taken into account, and I think everybody's remembering that any person who got a subscription to HBO counts as somebody who wants to watch the movie. And I know That's plenty fair. of people who are watching it. I, I watched it twice on HBO on Friday, so I saw it Thursday night. I watched it twice on HBO on Friday, and I may or may not have played <laughs> it a third time just for the sake of cranking up the numbers while I can. I like that idea. I think I'll join you in that endeavor. Um, yeah, I was gonna say this was one of the first movies where I was surprised that the cinematography, for as good as it was, wasn't Roger Deakins. Um, it ended up being another gentleman named Greg. What is it? Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Greg Fraser, who had done uh, Rogue One, which I felt that Zero Dark Thirty, yeah. um, The Mandalorian, several episodes, and actually he has done the Batman. So we'll see how that one turns. Oh, we gotta out. talk about uh, that too, man. Let's, let's divert. Let's do it. First off, just go see Dune. Do it for me. Yeah. Do it for yourself. We need part two. It'll be great. That's the bigger one. Go do it for your... Go do, take yourself on a date. You know, get, get, the, get a big old thing of popcorn. Go to the biggest theater you possibly can. Maybe have a drink. Sushi is probably a great choice to have with before you see this movie. And, mm. and just go enjoy the hell out of what will more than likely be one of the greatest science fiction films ever made. Just it's a cinematic experience. You deserve it. Yeah, you you deserve. Dude, go do it for yourself. Yeah, treat yourself right and go see Dune. I'm out. <laughs> I'm probably gonna watch it again tonight. So you know. 
There you go. Yeah, I'm for sure. So I'm going to see a Friday with a bunch of writers that I'm going to a seminar with uh, next year. Um, I believe the event is hosted by Kevin J. Anderson, who wrote who, a book. Who has like credit book. on this movie. He does. Okay, yeah. I didn't. I was looking at the credits. I didn't credit see his name pop up. It did pop okay, up. Okay, good. Yeah. Awesome. Because I know Cause... that he and uh, Frank's son, Brian, have written most of the Dune books that are still popping out. Mm-hmm. So... So, yeah, I'm really stoked to see that with him. Maybe I'll get some inside baseball, and if I do, I'll share it on the next episode. Oh, please do. Please do. That would be amazing. I'm like, please give me something for my podcast, or be a guest. Ha ha ha! That would be something else. Uh, all right. All right. So, so we can pivot. Yeah. Did you see the Batman trailer? I did. What an interesting Batmobile. It's a car, man. Yeah, it's a car, yeah. I never thought that anybody could make me as excited about a new Batman take after Nolan left the franchise. I am excited uh, about yeah. this new take. Uh, me too. I It's got a lot of uh, a lot of good things. I mean, even seeing like, the Riddler bit right in the beginning made me insanely happy, so we yeah. got that going for it right off the bat. But, um, yeah, you, you first. Please go right ahead. Well, it, it, it looks like an aesthetic that's never been captured from the comics. And yeah. Yeah, it, it it looks. Batman has a lot of different flavors, uh, and and mm. it's. I, I read a I read a history book a coworker gave me who's probably listening to this, so thank you for that, to read about Batman, and it talks about how Batman means a lot of things to a lot of people, and he comes in a lot of different flavors, and there's no such thing as my as the Batman. There's a bunch of my Batmans, and this looks like a very special kind of my Batman, and I'm. I'm very into it. That and Matt Reeves is great. Like he's yes, just he he's is. great. If you haven't yes, seen the new Planet of the Apes trilogy, the first one's good. The second two are incredible. Yeah. I'm yes. very excited about it. Very excited about yeah. it. Yeah. Me too. I think Robert Pattinson's gonna crush it. It's it's funny because I am old enough to remember when everybody in their their um what's a fair assessment here? Everybody and their dead parents were concerned about Heath Ledger being the Joker and then ends up giving probably one of the greatest performances of a villain of all time. And even right now, you're just like, you see people who are like Robert Pattinson, the guy from Twilight, like, how's that going to go? And it's just like, you know, because you have so many people being like, he's not going to screw it up that he's going to blow it away. My, like, it's just obvious to me. I, I think, I, I don't know if I've said on this podcast before, but every time somebody says, you mean the guy from Twilight? My concern with Robert Patterson's ca- casting is not that I think he's too uh, lowbrow an actor to be Batman. My only concern is I think he might be too highbrow an actor. If you, I mean, he has there done nothing but crazy indie art ever since Twilight, and he's been damn good in almost all of it. Yes, couldn't agree more. I think, and I will say... An even better choice, and, and this is, I don't know if this is just a hot take or what, but like choosing Paul Dano for Riddler oh, yeah. is so amazingly smart. I don't, I don't even know where to begin with how, what a great casting decision, decision that was. I have liked him in every single thing I've ever seen him in. Agreed. Um, from Little Miss Sunshine to There Will Be Blood, he's very briefly in 12 Years a Slave. Um, he did this really little movie called Ruby Sparks a couple years ago about a writer who like types his dream girl on to a typewriter and she appears in real life. And I freaking love that movie. Uh, oh, he was in prisoners. That's right. No, he um, was in prisoners so he, and excellent. In yeah. Prisoners. So he's amazing. He's utterly amazing. And I think you probably like him more in Swiss army man, but just Holy crap. Paul Dano, amazing casting choice, man. smarter than Robert Pattinson as Batman. In my opinion, I think Andy circus is a great. great casting choice for Alfred too. That, yeah. that really works for me. So, no, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, yeah, Zoe Kravitz will be a very interesting Catwoman. I'm excited for that. That's the um, only one I'm a little worried about. I don't oh, know. no. she's. We saw her through the Divergent movie. She's great. I'm I don't know. Really yeah, okay. Uh, I, the thing is, is even if I'm worried about something, I trust all the creative team involved, so we'll go with it. Yeah, and did you say Jeff Wright is Commissioner Gordon? I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. Yep. Doesn't look like anything to me, you uh, Westworld fans might say, but it's going to be amazing, and we're all very excited for it. <laughs> uh, so, th- And we only bring this up because that was the trailer before Dune, for anyone who didn't know. This isn't just some, oh my gosh, also this thing, but it, it was what they played it's before kind of Dune that started. Too. So. It's great. It looks, it looks yeah. awesome. 
yeah. me and me and Nick were in the most recent good Batman movie together. That's right, we were. Yeah. Oh, and by that, that I mean The Dark Knight Rises, which is a good movie. Don't don't it give me that. It is a good movie. Crap. Yeah, it really is. It's uh gosh. Ugh. seeing that in IMAX. I remember like having tears in my eyes when she tells him like when when he's about to kill himself like in that sacrifice like just freaking awesome. I like mm-hmm. all three of those new Batman movies. They're great. And and this is a great handoff. I'm looking forward yeah. to more. I truly am. But me and Nick were extras in the football scene. And it was <laughs> that was a good time. That was a great day. We've mentioned think, it before, but I think we mentioned that about as much as we mentioned how great Ryan Johnson did with the last year. I thought we only with, mentioned that once before. Have we mentioned that more than that? Maybe I meant this episode. No, I guess it is about once. Yeah, we mentioned it earlier this episode, just like we mentioned that we were in Dark Knight Rises earlier this episode. Did we? Didn't we? I don't know. Well, maybe we mentioned it too many times, and you can just deal with it. It was a fun day. I forget. How has your uh, horror Halloween spectacular gone this October? So I've not watched as much as I would like. Partly because Same. people have gotten sick in my household, and partly because every time I go to watch a movie, I end up turning Dune on. Um, <laughs> yes! <laughs> we did finish. Dune, always a good decision. We did finish Midnight Mass, and it was incredible. And, uh, I, and we've talked about this, but I don't think we've recorded it for the podcast. It was incredible, and I recommend it to everybody and their cat. Um, if you like any amount of horror, it's great. If you don't like horror, probably stay away from it. But Midnight Mass was incredible. It was incredible. And if you and if you don't like horror, you better be ready for Friday's episode. At least, well, are we going to split it up? Do we know yet? I think let's split it up. I think that's good. Let's split it up. So, so part one of our horror one hundred and one with uh, Professor Kyle Peterson is going to be airing on Friday. Um, as most of you folks know, I talked about this a lot in season one. How horror wasn't my thing. I'm not a big fan of it. I only watch it during October. But then I saw Dr. Sleep's director cut, and I've been in it ever since. So I have a a laundry list of things to see. And uh, much like sickness has been occurring in your house, there has been uh, surgery and recovery in my house. So I don't know how soon I'm going to get to three of the things I really want to watch. Um, the thing but when I you do, and how I'll, get, yeah, I'll catch do, up on we'll mine, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll make an episode of that. Absolutely. We... Uh, yeah. Well, is there anything that you're is there anything that you're enjoying this week that you want to tell people about before we say uh, you know Thanks. later? So, uh, <laughs> well, Dune. Dune. Yeah, I'll probably be watching some more Dune. <laughs> um, I got uh, virtual reality version of Resident Evil Four has been just a well, that's right, delicious little treat. Been enjoying the heck out of that. So cool. Um, I picked up the two towers again. I'm working my way through there because I finally got back to that. But that's nice. that's kind of me. How about you? I just finished reading a book that I now have forgotten what it was called. It was Norm MacDonald's autobiography. And I'm too lazy to look it up right now. Um, But I did read a book. I started three other books because that's the kind of loser that I am. Um, I am playing my favorite video game of all time for my... Mario? Uh, close. Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars was the Super okay. Nintendo one. Same um, thing in my mind. Got it. Yes. Yeah, it, it's fair. Because Paper, when Paper Mario came out, it was considered Super Mario RPG 2 in the very first Japanese teaser that came out on N64 um, before it was renamed to Paper Mario. But the Super Nintendo one is my favorite video game of all time. This is my 10th playthrough right now, and I'm just enjoying the hell out of it. Um, awesome. Awesome. I did think of one more thing to bring up, which is I'm also playing Stardew Valley with Cousin Joe, uh, which to those who are fans of Stardew Valley, the creator, Concerned Ape, has just dropped a trailer for his newest game. I saw uh, that, yeah. Haunted Chocolatier, yep, and it looks a lot like Stardew Valley, so if you love Stardew Valley, you're probably going to pick that game up. The same person who loaned me that Batman biography history book who immediately sent me that trailer. It's so cool. Yeah. So cool. And then, of course, uh, the thing that's taking my most time away is my Kickstarter is live. I, prom- I promise yes. I won't plug it all the dang time, but. No, I plug it every time. It's. Hey, it it's is my really, show. <laughs> it's really effing cool. And it is. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Me too. Pitch, uh, man. Pitch. Well, I'll say this too for some super duper inside baseball that I haven't posted anywhere. Uh, we just finished the second issue today. So. Like, color is- everything? Coloring is completely done. 
Um, Amazing. There's one thing that I asked the illustrator, uh, Fernando, to recolor today. Uh, but then that's it. The issue two is done. And, uh, I, you know, we spent all of our, you know, all the money that we saved, we did for issues one and two and for hiring all the artists that we hired. So we're in the hole pretty deep on this one. But we were hoping that the Kickstarter is successful so that the second we hit our goal, we will immediately tell the artists to start on issue number three, which will be for um, – a lot of the rewards coming up so we're just really anxious and hopeful uh we got about no nah, i guess about uh, maybe nine and a half grand to go uh 25 backers thank you to every single person who's back there 26 days to go we are excited as heck and uh we are going to be featured in some other interesting places to hopefully get some more backers but um that will be in the show notes it's called forged by fire as the first uh, six issue series and if we hit our goal we'll release what the second series is called so super excited for that please do check it out i said this to you there are times when you support a friend because they're your friend and there are times you support a friend because the thing they're making is damn effing cool this is damn effing cool check it out i appreciate that man yeah so we'll put that in the show notes and uh yeah folks thank you so much for joining us on this dune gush it was a pleasure to gush with you, sir. Uh, I feel like we truly hit the the goal of the, sh- the, the whole series, which is you feel like you just left the theater and all you're doing is talking about all the cool stuff that you just saw. So yeah. uh, thank you for joining me in this endeavor. Amen, brother. Catch you guys later. Catch y'all later. Go see Dune. Bye. Please. Bye. Hello, <laughs> Dune. <laughs> the fear is gone, only I will remain.